Hello and welcome to Get Flushed, the sanitation podcast. My name's Pete and I'll be your host. The restroom industry has seen huge growth in demand for toilets and wash basins over the past year. Forecasters expect that growth to continue over the next two or three years and beyond. And if I can translate that growth into podcast listeners, then I'll keep going. I'm fairly certain there'll be enough material to explore and plenty of people willing to share their stories and ideas on the show. And because the show is starting to gain traction as a recognised source of expert opinion and advice, I'm also starting to expand into other collaborations. I'm currently working on a couple of proposals for industry-based clients. I'll be launching the Get Flush Playbook later this year, and I've also taken on some work editing audio for another show. That's been really good fun, although I have to admit, I didn't really have a clue what the host and guests were talking about. If you'd like to check out that work, look up Wisecracking Blonde on YouTube and watch the last two episodes. At this stage in season one, I ran an episode I called Catching My Breath, where I reviewed the season and gave listeners a recap on each of the episodes published to date. Rather than repeat that in season two, I thought I'd look back and catch up with a previous guest to see how they're doing after what has been a really challenging year for us all. I'll start that process by catching up with David Pipkin from Portaclear. Regular listeners will remember David from episode seven in season one. His product eliminates the foul odours you get from septic waste, and he's been working hard over the past year to grow his sales in the portable restroom market. Hello, it's David. David, it's Pete from Get Flushed. How are you, man? Yes, sir. How are you doing? I'm really good. Good to hear from you. Likewise. You're caravanning. <laughs> we are caravanning. Are you in New Zealand? We're at the top of the South Island. Okay, okay. We're in the middle of the heaviest rainfall event in the last 100 years, so you might hear the roof echoing and banging. What's causing it? I mean, why is it doing that? Just a big weather front. They're forecasting a foot of rain. Wow. So we've done six months on the road in the South Island. And on Wednesday next week, we're going to cross over to the North Island in the search for some warmer winter weather. I hear you. So how's the old get plus going? Well, can you believe we've been going for over a year? How long ago did I talk to you? A year. Has it been a year? 12 months, pretty much. Wow. I think you were episode seven. Yeah. I started in late April, maybe. So it's almost bang on a year, I think. I'll be done. This time in the series last year, I did a recap on the episodes I've published so far, and I thought it would be really interesting to do a catch-up with all the guests who featured in season one and find out what's happening with them and their products and how they've survived COVID. Right. And you're the first one, so it's really good to hear from you and catch up. No, I was thinking about you know, what I would say or whatever, and we have improved the product, but we haven't changed the formulation what we call the core product, what makes it work. We have greatly increased the dye and the fragrance concentration. As you said in the last series, you're fighting against 40 or 50 years of tradition and history and habit, aren't you? Oh, uh, actually, 74 years. From my, my research, Circo, I'm not sure if you've heard of them. Tonya Ray came on the show last season. I've never spoken with Tonya. But Circo, to my knowledge, takes credit for introducing the first blue product, and that was in 1947. They did, yes. That's right about the time where the chemical side of this industry 
came to life. I don't know what they were using before that. I don't imagine there were portable toilets on construction sites in 1910. Maybe there were, but I can't find any photos. The earliest references I found were to formaldehyde in buckets on long-range maritime patrol craft during the Second World War. That makes a lot of sense, okay. The dyes have probably gotten better. The fragrances have probably gotten better. And we buy dye and fragrance probably from the same places, same sources that my competitors do. So when I talk about dye and fragrance, I'm the first to say if there's anywhere that we're pretty much identical to my competitors, it's dye and fragrance. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun there that I'm aware of. But once you leave that and go into what makes it work, we're coming out of left field. We're coming from another planet. Flanaldehyde's been around forever, biocides. But as far as what my competitors do, and I'm sure there have been improvements, but the methodology has not changed one bit. The industry is all about stopping nature from producing a gas, which we call odor. And they do it by killing the bacteria. And I say that if that was effective as everybody seems to believe, then you wouldn't have odor on the pump truck itself. Well, you do have odor that comes from the vacuum exhaust when you're using chemicals. When you use Portaclear, it doesn't happen overnight, but it will eliminate the odor that comes from the vacuum tank exhaust. And I'm not aware of anybody else that can do that. And as you know, I'm not talking about putting a fragrance in the oil. Can you just talk through the mechanics and explain how the product does what it does? When I tell people that have been in the industry quite a while that we're all natural, I stop and I, and I make clear to them that when I say we're all natural, I also want to make clear that this product is not a microbe, it's not a bacteria, and it's not an enzyme. We are more of a food, and we change the species and the bacteria of the environment. And you know, it doesn't matter if it's a tank on a train, on a bus, on a plane, on a boat, in a toilet or a trailer. The bacteria that are ruling that environment, when they create a gas, it's noxious. And we change that to... Uh, the gas that's being produced is inert, and therefore you cannot smell it. That is odor elimination. Odor control would be more of masking and trying to prevent nature from creating a gas, which is where the industry is coming from at this point. So that's really how we do it. Portaclear is a relatively new brand, but it's an old product. We developed it in 1998 for the largely the municipal sewer applications. That's corrosion and odor, fat oils and grease, ammonia, biosolids reduction, that type of thing. So that's how we are not, not even really different. We're, we're in an entirely different science. In the portable toilet market, what's the method of delivery? Are you still working with the diluted um, concentrate added to the toilet in liquid form? Yes, we are still a liquid. We're pretty much the same there. In the summer, we're suggesting, you know, four to five ounces of product in the proverbial five-gallon bucket of water, you know, poured into the toilet. One thing that we do recommend to our clients now 
you want to pour the five-gallon bucket into the toilet, obviously. And when the bucket is almost empty, you wouldn't want to do this in the beginning because it's very heavy. But once the bucket is almost empty, either pivot to the left or pivot to the right and make sure that some of the product goes into the urinal because it will knock out the ammonia in the urinal. If you don't do that, sometimes the ammonia will become really profound because that's the only odor that's there. The same thing happened when we were testing with Amtrak. You know, I can say that Amtrak is a client. I have, have been for almost a year now. And when we eliminated the odor from the uh, sleeper cars in the lavatory system, as I suspected and as I told them, they became aware of odors that they were not aware of from the carpet, from the air conditioning system. So the same thing would happen in a toilet. If you don't treat the urinal with the ammonia, that ammonia smell might really jump out at you. And there's an easy solution for that. Given that we've been living in a caravan for the last six months, can I use this in my RV? Certainly. Have you made that move? We have attempted to go into, I call that more of a retail market. And we've never been successful. I would say friends and family. This product has been in private aircraft, uh, large motorhomes, what I call rock star buses, and 85-foot and longer boats, yachts. Uh, but that's friends and family. I met a very large concern in the camping and RV space. It's all about being a disruptive technology. We're not the only product out there that could do this, but at the end of the day, 80% or more of the products that are on that aisle for sanitation, you know, crud busters and solid removers and ammonia and odor and all these different products, they're not necessary. As a full-time RVer, I would love a product that took away the smell completely. And I know you've worked to, to increase the fragrance in your product, but when you're living in a confined space with other people the fragrance smell is just as bad as the toilet smell. And I know a lot of RVers who don't use their toilets at all because of that very reason, that they don't like the smell of the fragrance. So a completely neutral product, you know, I can imagine a lot of people would react positively to that. But I can understand why the retailers might feel less inclined to agree with you on that because it's a whole history of sales that you're threatening, isn't it? That's exactly correct. It is a threat to an accepted way of doing business. It's the same with luxury restrooms, David. That I've operated those, and they smell just as bad. But the fact that it eliminates odor. I was at the Daytona 500 years ago, and I was introduced to the owner. I was literally, this bus was unbelievable. What it had on the roof, it had a like tiki bar on the roof, and TVs, and I was told it was like a $3 million motor coach, not really an RV. And I was almost overcome when I got on board, and there was a bottle of Glade on every table, and it's the same if you're on a 60-foot yacht, and it stinks. That's really common because it's really difficult to drain those tanks and rinse them out from the outside. In the United States, there is a company called Royal Restroom. They are a franchise model, and they are based out of Savannah, Georgia. In October or November, uh, I was given a national endorsement 
by the founder of that company, and the product was called Revolutionary, not Evolutionary, and then it's a game changer, and you are absolutely correct. I knew this, and I had my first clients when we first talked, but now it's a year later. If you're a luxury or a VIP trailer operator, you want to use this product immediately because it does eliminate the odor. With those tanks, you can't get into the biofilm. You can't get into that tank to clean it. So that's why even you're, you're absolutely correct. You know, you, you park a trailer at a wedding and the, the father of the bride comes out with his checkbook and he gets on the trailer and it's just been bumping down the road. So it's stirred up and he smells odor. And he's wondering why he's paying $4,000 to have that for the weekend. So when you're smelling a, a VIP trailer tank, you're not really smelling the waste. You're smelling the biofilm that is in there. That's how we also eliminate the odor that comes from the vacuum tank exhaust, the service truck. It doesn't happen overnight, and it depends on how thick. You know, if a, if a pump truck had just been cleaned out with, you know, what I call a fire hose treatment, they get in there with a high-volume jet and they blast everything out. Well, if that was done last week and you start using my product, you probably have no odor immediately. But if it's a tank that hasn't been cleaned in a year, it could take a month, month and a half, some almost two months. And once that tank is completely acclimated, you have no odor that comes from it. And with luxury trailers, what's also interesting for anybody that may be listening that has older trailers over time, bodily fluids, let's just say, are going to work their way into what I call the nooks and the crannies, where the wall meets the floor, the urinal, the spray wall, the commode, you name it. And it gets what I've been called as the funk. And a lot of times you can't get the funk out of a trailer. So what I'm referring to is you eliminate the odor in the tank and all of a sudden, just like I was talking about, you know, with Amtrak and, and the urinal and the toilets, if you don't put it in the urinal, you become aware of odors, what I call up top, that you were not aware of. We have a solution for that as well. What you do is you take a, you know, a little one-gallon pump sprayer and you take working solution. Because when we deliver to trailer operators, they do not want dye. They don't need dye and they don't want dye. So when they receive our product, it is without any dye and strictly fragrance. And every trailer operator that I have, they love lavender. The trailer industry in North America loves lavender. So you can take my product without the dye, put it into a pump sprayer, and cut it another two times. So let's say it's a three-gallon pump sprayer. You put a gallon of working solution and then you would add another two gallons of water. And then if you spray that inside, up top, on that trailer and let it sit and then mop it out or, or rinse it out, it will knock the funk out of that trailer. It'll almost smell like a new trailer. I have a client that has a trailer back in circulation, another way of saying that, making it's making money again. But it was parked at their service yard for you know, employees to use because they couldn't get the funk out of it. And with my product, they were able to get the funk out. 
and that 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 trailer is now making money again. It's differences like that that give people a competitive advantage in industries where, let's face it, everyone's got the same model products. There are very few operators who've got anything that's unique or individual compared to everybody else all the restrooms are the same all the trailers are the same all the pump trucks are the same so for me it makes perfect sense that people would be looking for those micro advantages and actually it's not a micro advantage is it it's a fundamental change in the way the business works yes our product multiple times has been called a game changer i tend to agree i obviously have my bias but what you're referring to, it is not a micro difference. One of my original trailer clients, we just did a handshake agreement, so I really haven't pursued his market. He is known in that market and is growing in that market because he is known as the operator whose trailers do not have odor. That's not micro, that's macro. I'm pretty active on social media and in, in Clubhouse, and I've become quite good friends with Curtis Ingalls. Are, are we able to talk about the fact you've entered a distribution relationship with Curtis? No, oh, certainly. That's, uh, that's signed and sealed. We're quite excited about it. Um, I'm always looking for distributors. They don't come knocking all the time. What's interesting is I haven't been on Clubhouse, but I saw Curtis on Facebook. And I called him, and it turns out that you guys had talked on Clubhouse like two or three days before that. Yeah. And that's not the reason I called Curtis. I just happened to see him on Facebook, and you know, his company, Crapper King. And so I called him, and he said, I really would like to talk to you. We were talking about you just the other day. And I went, well, that's interesting. Who... <laughs> <laughs> Who, where, when, and what were you talking about me? And that's when I learned that you guys had just done a, a clubhouse. Yeah, we've been holding a, an hour or so twice a week called the Sanitation Conversation. And Curtis jumped on a couple of posts and I sent him an invite and he came in. And we had a really good chat about Porter Clear and lots of other different technologies. But it's cool that that's led to, to where you're at. So how's he helping you distribute? Because he, he's very well connected and he's got such a presence through what he does buying and selling gear. So it made perfect sense. We're the first commodity that he sells. You know, not toilets, not trailers. So consumable rather than capital equipment. Yes, consumable commodity. And the way that we are working with him is, um, uh, and I would say this to anybody that's interested in being a distributor, I'm giving a lot of leeway. I know that I don't know what I don't know. And there's a lot better minds than me. So I'm always looking for distributors that can teach us, give us new ideas. Obviously, they're going to be opening up new avenues. But with Curtis, just simply his platform, and this is not a new audience for him. I'm simply supporting Curtis bringing him up to speed on who we are, what we are, how we do what we do. But as far as working with him, he is already a sales platform, and he is going to pursue the market with his sales platform. And obviously, we have a, uh, a commission agreement on, on sales. One of the other conversations I had with Curtis 
We were joined in the room on Clubhouse by Zeno Rossetti, who owns a handful of businesses, but one of them is a graphics design and print business. And mm-hmm. and Zeno p- pitched an idea to Curtis and said, well, when you buy the toilets, they come in with the original owner's logos and branding on them. And he offered a, a service to Curtis whereby he could rebrand all of those toilets so they were delivered to the new owner in a condition where they could be dropped immediately to site. And that's a tremendous saving because it, it, at the moment there are such shortages in the availability of toilets that, that oh, if yeah. you can save a couple of three days or a couple of three weeks, then that's a huge uh, advantage. And I'm guessing that Curtis could do the same. Curtis could do the same with Portaclear, couldn't he? That he could recommend it and, and get it to the new owner as a an added value service that he's providing or an added value commodity that he's providing. It's just such a cool way to take the product to a broader market. That is certainly true. Because with Curtis, he also has a uh, fairly large acreage where he's able to stage everything before the trucks come in and pick it up. So that would certainly be a unique way to um, bring people to the knowledge of Portaclear. Uh, I will tell you, it's interesting, you know, with my older clients, when you go to their yard, not to say that everybody's yard stinks, but it's kind of like the truck. We're in the sanitation business, and, and there's going to be odor. It's just... There's a typical smell associated with it. Yeah, that, that's just the way that it is. I'll just use that term. And I'm here to say that that's just the way that it is is no longer a correct statement. Because after you've been using the product, let's say you have 4,000 toilets, and through the year at some point you may end up with 750 to 1,000 of them sitting at the yard, and they've been clean. But even the cleaning methods of today, there's still an, an odor associated with that. There is. Yeah, they still smell. You open the door after they've been sat in the yard, and they still smell like a portable toilet. Yeah. And even though the people that have done the cleaning have done a good job, but it still has an odor. And that goes away once a client has had a full rotation with my product getting into every piece of their equipment. That goes away. And we've already discussed the belief or the statement that the trucks just stink. That's just the way that it is. That is no longer a valid statement. Trucks do not have to smell. And as I always say, I'm not talking about putting oil into a pump. I'm talking about eliminating it. One of the early operators I spoke to last year was Ryan Granger from Arcadian Sanitation. And I believe Ryan's been an avid user of Portaclear over the last year. And he talks really highly of it. You know, he was a new entrant startup. He followed the old models and did what everybody does. And then as a result of talking with him for my show, I think he made contact with you, got some Portaclear, and he's going on to great things at the moment, Ryan, with his business. Yes. Ryan is growing. And uh, Ryan... You know, it's not a, a large concern, so, you know, he doesn't, you know, go through a tote a month or even a tote or a drum a month. The thing that you've been able to help him with is giving him a point of difference compared to the local competitor. You are correct about, you know, a differentiation, especially as events are coming back online. We just had one of the largest art festivals down here uh, in Florida a few weeks ago. 
if you are able to go to a board, an art festival board or whatever, and say, it's not a big deal, you know, toilets are toilets, but we are now using a sustainable product. We are using a product that eliminates odor. And we are also using a product that will eliminate the odor that comes from the pump truck itself. I have clients that are getting new clients because they are becoming known. People may not know what Port-A-Clear is, but they are becoming known for the quality of their work. And size equipment and visual cleanliness, I don't know of anything else besides odor that comes in number two. Oh, it's up there, isn't it? If it smells bad, it's an immediate turnoff and people won't use the restrooms. It's as simple as that. I've been telling people this since the beginning. It's good to see that you've kept plugging away with Porter Clear and you're starting to make some traction. And it's not an easy journey, is it? You've just got to keep going and keep going and keep going. And eventually people will realise that what you're doing is revolutionary and it is different and it does make a massive difference to the business. That is true. You're right. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it, as they say. Sure they would, yeah. We went through our first year. As you know, we've improved the product. Man. And I'm, I'm the first person to tell anybody, when we first went to market, we didn't even have fragrance. I'll put it to you this way. My original client, who never has stopped using us, he started using our product when the product probably had maybe a third of the dye that it currently has and uh, no fragrance. And he never had a problem, has never had a problem with odor. So we had about a year where we touched quite a few people and I won't say the product wasn't ready for market, but was it the Model A, Henry Ford? I'm sure the first couple of hundred Model A's that rolled off the line they probably had some issues that were worked out pretty quickly, but they still had issues. This is what we learned. Whoever I get the product to, it goes to a driver to use. A driver, it's not their job to test products, to innovate. Well, when you don't have enough dye and the driver comes back the next week and the dye maybe is green, a lot of drivers, and this is a true statement, their smell has become compromised because of the environment that they, that they work in. So they open the door, they see that the dye was not sufficient, so the report back to the owner or the ops manager is that it did not work. Well, what we found out, because I've gone back to quite a few of these people, is what should have been reported is there was no odor, but the dye wasn't sufficient. They're equating the fact that other chemicals go green, which tells you that they've depleted and they're no longer effective. Right. And I'm here to say we didn't have enough dye back then. We've remedied that situation. Another thing that the more I get into the minutia of this industry, People don't like change, so and this is just my observation. The norm is for the, the better products on the market, when the driver pours it into the hole, it makes their eyes water or burn, and it blows them out the door. I've heard that multiple times. 
So they may not like that their eyes water and burn, but the perception is that's a strong product and that's good. Well, my product will never do that because it doesn't need to do that. So before I work with companies, I, I go over that. The perception is, made my eyes water, this is some really strong chemical. Well, they pour mine in, and yeah, there's a lot of fragrance, but it's not going to make your eyes water and burn. And so that could be another perception of, well, this stuff is weak. It's not going to work. When the reality is, again, we're doing something that's so different that even that, you know, when you're pouring it in, that whole experience is different. And if somebody is not educated about what this product is, they may, just like a driver saw, they didn't smell anything, but, you know, their, their smell is compromised anyway. The dye's there, so what's the translation? No, it didn't work. So they're misconstruing the reality. You pour my product in, didn't make my eyes water. Boss, nah, this, this stuff is weak. Yeah. You know, it, nah, there's, no, there's no way it's going to work. It, it, you know, it didn't do what the really strong stuff does. That's maybe a, a little bit predictable, David, because you are working against, as you said, 74 years of, of tacit knowledge and history and, and paradigm that people think it needs to be this way, and you're showing that it really doesn't. There is a different alternative. Yeah. There is all that time, and there are relationships involved. I believe that we've got what I call built-in brand loyalty, and I'm going against a lot of brand loyalty. And brand loyalty can involve the company itself, the, the reps that are selling the product, because a good salesman develops a relationship on multiple occasions, I've been told flat out, well, you know, the so-and-so rep, he's like my best buddy. We're really good friends. And, you know, it is what it is. When I've come up against that, I have brought on clients, but usually in that instance, I'm just not going to get the business. It doesn't matter what I have. You're up against it. Put in that position, I don't know what I would do either. Oh, it's predictable. It, it truly is. Really important, I think, for you to let everyone know how they can get hold of you and obtain a sample or, or the product if they want to get on board. Certainly. For me, it's real easy. David, D-A-V-I-D, at Portaclear, P-O-R-T-A-C-L-E-A-R.com. There's not an online store. We have it ready to go, but I have not launched it. When my customers reorder, a lot of them just text me or email me. Some of them call the corporate office, and all those numbers are on the website. But something that you mentioned, that we, we're here to advance and improve the industry, and that involves changing a lot of things. I am currently trying to figure out a way that is different from what I call the sample market. Because at this point, I don't know whether to say we're not being taken seriously. I understand that people are busy. But the whole model of, yes, I'm interested. Can you send me a sample? And I, I'm being literal here. I have people that I talk to ever, once a month that have had a sample for over a year. And I'll say it again. I understand that people get busy, but 
right now in my mind, the whole idea of samples is also archaic. Do you think the alternative is for people to commit and say, right, we'll try this for a month or two months and, and actually notice the difference once it's being used across the entire operation? Yes. Our model has always been a money-back guarantee. So can I make operators do this? Probably not. Can I ask? Yes, I can. But to what you're talking about, okay, you're interested in my product. The smallest amount that we sell translates into half of a 55-gallon drum, 27 and a half gallons of working solution. And we have a money-back guarantee. If you don't like it, we'll refund your money. That way, there's skin in the game. My father always told me, if you give away something for free, it has no value. And I'm seeing that with the samples. If you're on the phone with a prospect and the conversation goes to, well, can you send me a brochure? Well, can you send me a brochure a lot of times is a polite and convenient way to get off the call. Yeah, to flick you off. Yeah. Okay, well, can you send me some samples? That, to me, that is proof to what I'm saying. And it's not that when they tell me they're interested, that that's not sincere. I mean, there's a lot of variables, but all that really matters is I send a sample, and with shipping, you know, it's, it's not a $10 bill to ship samples. We need to figure a way that you can help people make that leap of faith. And if you can hook me up with any of your other operators, maybe in that luxury market, who are using it? Yeah, I've got one in particular. I jokingly say I wish he needed a job because I would hire him immediately. He is a uh, Royal Restrooms uh, franchisee operator in the Georgia-Alabama market, and he literally carries around samples of my product. I'm bringing on a client next week that the sample didn't work. That was told to the owner by a driver. This was a, a prospect that had gone back to the back of the line to come back to a year from now when we've got even more momentum. But that company ended up working with this individual because, as you know, a lot of trailer companies, they don't have pump trucks, so they're outsourcing to have their trailer serviced. And this individual, when they were about ready to part ways, he said, oh, by the way, guys, if you haven't heard of this product, here's a sample. It's a game changer. And they went, well, we tried this and it didn't work. And when an operator tells an operator, well, I don't know who tried it, but I'm here to tell you it's a game changer and it does work. The same thing happens in that software market, David, that you've got people who are using their tried and trusted systems. They might not be perfect, but the old paper spreadsheet works well for a smaller operator. Right. And then to encourage them, and, and I had this chat with the, with the software providers, to encourage them to immerse themselves 100% in a bespoke software platform that will automate all of those functions. That makes a lot of operators really uncomfortable, you know, that it's just too much to expect them to make that step in, in one go. And maybe that's a little bit of what you're experiencing with Portaclear, that they know that the blue stuff they buy from elsewhere works in the way it works and that they know that it's a tried and trusted product and the drivers are familiar with it. And all of a sudden introducing something that's revolutionary might just be a little bit too tough for them at this point in time. You're correct. You know, going back, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty vision. I might not key so much on the fact that 
we're different and we're unique because you are correct. Not only is it a little bit overwhelming, there have been plenty of individuals or companies that have come before me that have made a lot of the same claim. They sound almost identical to what I'm saying. And the predominant of those companies are why I address that we're not a microbe, a bacteria, or an enzyme. Because the majority of those products, that's what they were selling, that they were a super microbe or, or what have you. So you are right. It's overwhelming. Been there, done that. I've already heard this. You know, I've been laughed at, point blank. I've been laughed at because individuals that have been in the market for decades, and they're just like, you know, yeah, we've, we've heard this before. But that's okay. I, I chose this path. I chose to do this. Wish I'd done it 20 years ago. That's good to hear. And 12 months on from when we last spoke, I think you're certainly making progress. And, and hopefully joining forces with Curtis will be another step forward for you. I think you're on the right path. I said that to you last year. I, I called the episode A New Paradigm. And I, I'm still convinced that, that what you're doing is the way forward. And especially as the sustainability agenda is only going to increase. You, you are correct. Another thing you just made me think of, and I'm starting to see it more and more. Uh, more quickly than I had anticipated. Dump sites, and I don't think anybody will argue with me unless you have a very unique situation where they need the waste, but in general, dump sites, septic facilities, whether they're private or public, they don't like this waste. And they're going to start making decisions where they will say something like, as of October 1 or what have you, we will no longer accept portable sanitation waste that uses a biologically detrimental chemical. And when that happens, I have a solution to that. It's already happening here. Yeah, you told me that, but I'm, see I'm seeing it in America. Yeah, I, I mean, I spoke to the municipal wastewater treatment team here and they said exactly that that they're taking a sample of every load that's dropped at the ponds yep and that they're now uh, multiplying the tariff by a factor based on tss and bod and that's having a massive impact on the operators because their bills are only going to go up if they're if they're sticking to traditional methods and the answer is to perhaps change those methods reduce your bod and reduce your tss therefore you reduce your on costs associated with dumping at that site certainly because as we discussed in the first show what the product does it turns if you're an operator my product turns your equipment whether it's a toilet or a trailer or a holding tank it turns it into a pre-digestion step. And so when, when the waste is dumped, not only does it not have the biologically detrimental chemicals in it, because all these dump sites, at the end of the day, they're biological. So not only does it not have that, but also it's not a sum zero. It, it's a benefit because the waste has already been in a digestion mode, so it's already going down that path of TSS and BOD reduction. So it's a win-win. This might be a bit left field, but a follow-on from that. I'm hoping to record a show in the next couple of weeks with the people behind a system called Home Biogas. And they've developed, it started off as an organic food waste system, but they've developed a toilet where the toilet waste is flushed into a holding tank and then they use a biological action to release methane, which they can then use for energy and cooking in the home. 
Have you done any work on that? Do you think Porter Clear would have a, a positive or detrimental effect on those systems? Remember, we we were born as a wastewater company. On a large scale, there are anaerobic digesters that have what is called energy uh, regen or energy capture, which is the methane. They just do it on a very large scale. You know, a two million gallons of human waste is a lot more than a you know a thirty gallon home toilet. But the concept is the same. What is different is in the anaerobic digester space, one of the issues is hydrogen sulfide, which is not only odor, it's a corrosive. So it tears up the uh, methane gas production equipment. So what we would do on a smaller scale, it would not be port-a-clear. There's no need for the dye and there's no need for the fragrance. So it's our core product. It would not increase the methane production but it would clean the methane of the hydrogen sulfide, and it would also remove the ammonia. So, yes, there would most definitely be a, uh, a benefit, even on a smaller scale. It's banned to have a smell associated with it because it's human waste. And, and as far as I can tell from talking and reading their literature, they're not doing anything to pre-treat the waste. It just goes straight into the big plastic bag and then biodegrades to, to release methane. So there's bound to be that hydrogen sulfate smell associated with that. There has to be. If they are not doing anything, they do have an issue with hydrogen sulfide, H2S, and ammonia. If I can get that interview across the line, then we'll, I'll ask that and see, and you know, maybe that's another application. We've been going for quite a time. Is there anything else that you want to add? Um, no, I, you know, I appreciate you doing what you're doing. Um, or, like I said, we're... We're both kind of on the same path. Um, you're addressing uh, something that I think this industry needs because from my own perception, it's all over the map how people do what they do. Oh, there are a million and one ways to skin a cat. Yeah, there's a lot of, lot of room for best practices, you know, et cetera. And so we're on the same boat. One of the follow-ons that I'm working on at the moment is a playbook, a Get Flush playbook. I've been asked if I can help companies develop their operating procedures, and I'm quite happy to include Porter Clear as recommended best practice because, as I say, I think you're genuinely changing the game for the industry. Doing our best. Doing our best. Now, I'll apologise if there's any background in that audio. I recorded the call in the middle of the biggest rain event that's hit New Zealand since 2014. Forecasters were predicting over 300 millimetres of rain to fall in the high country in 24 hours over the weekend, and everyone has been told to prepare for widespread flooding. When you're living in an RV, the noise of rain on the roof is really therapeutic when you're trying to go to sleep, but it makes recording a podcast really quite difficult. I'd like to thank David for taking time to meet with me this week. I've spoken to a number of people who've used Portaclear and they all say that it does completely eliminate the foul odours you get from septic waste. I said it in the first season and I'll say it again today. This product is an absolute game changer. Now, if you'd like to find out for yourself, email David or get in touch with Curtis Ingalls at Crapper King. I'll put links for both in the notes for today's show. On Monday this week at 10am in New Zealand, I'll be doing a 45-minute live broadcast as part of the Sunday Showcase presented by the Podcast Collective on Facebook. If it all goes to plan, I'll look to share that episode through my other channels early next week. But of course, that won't happen if it turns out to be an absolute disaster. 
Remember to watch the video I uploaded to my Facebook page showing how I use that app to inspect toilets and track deliveries, services and pickups. And reach out if you'd like to know more about that system, need help setting up your own templates or you'd like to use mine. The rates are very reasonable and the performance improvements are well worth any investment. Please remember to tell all your family, friends, colleagues and strangers all about Get Flushed and encourage them to listen in. And please visit our Patreon page if you'd like early access to episodes and other bonus material that's not available anywhere else. Once again, thank you for your time. I've been Pete and you've been listening to Get Flushed. 